The season is on hiatus, but A's Plus is still going. I'm Susan Slesser of the San Francisco Chronicle, and even though I'm sheltering in place, I am still bringing you news about the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball, how players like Marcus Simeon, Jesus Luzardo, A.J. Puck are handling the shutdown, and how the coronavirus crisis will change the A's plans when things get back to normal, if they do. A's Plus on your favorite podcast app. Hello and welcome to a combined edition of the A's Plus and Giant Splash podcasts. I'm Susan Slesser, the Chronicle's A's beat writer, Henry Shulman, who covers the Giants, and I took part in a wonderful Chronicle Zoom subscriber event, and we decided to bring that to you today. I'm John Schultz, assistant sports editor at the Chronicle. Thanks for joining us today. for this Chronicle subscriber event. Um, we're joined by A's beat writer, Susan Slusser and Giants beat writer, Henry Schulman. Um, and you're probably all wondering what we're doing with uh, no baseball around these days. And uh, surprisingly, it's been pretty busy. Um, there's a lot, to, uh, a lot of ground to cover and a lot of questions. Um, we hope you're all staying safe and sane, and um, hopefully this baseball chat will give everyone a little slice of normalcy. Um, so just a couple uh, things before we get started. Um, I will uh, be reading questions um, that are submitted in the chat, so uh, go ahead and, and shoot off any questions you have for Henry or Susan um, in the chat there, and we will get to the next one. Um, and, uh, you know, feel free to ask anything about the teams, what life as a sports writer is like, um, or, or what have you. Um, it's, a, it's a free-for-all. So um, with that, I'll just kind of get things started here with a question. Um, uh, we'll, we'll lead it off with Susan and Henry if you want to answer too. Um, you know, this is a, such a strange time. When was the last time that uh, either have you have – gone this long without watching live baseball um and how are you filling that void wow Uh, i mean since i was a small child and lived on guam i think is the last time i went this long without watching live baseball because we got everything very tape delayed back in the 70s i think it was uh like a week delayed something like that in my five-year-old mind but yeah yeah definitely that long since like 1971 I think I go back to the strike uh, in 94 and 95, which, uh, you know, it, it was like this. They were showing old games on TV and uh, I, you know, boy, that replacement ball we were going to have in 95, that would have been something else. But it's it's weird. It's a weird feeling. It's, you know, it's a weird feeling that, that um, you know, uh, I'm, it's light outside when I'm done work, I'm working out of my house just like everybody else and it's light outside. I'm either on the road somewhere covering a night game or at the ballpark here. I don't know what to do my, with myself when it's 6.30 or 7 o'clock and it's light out. <laughs> I always forget about that strike here because that's the one year I was covering the NBA full time. So that's to me, it's like it never really, the strike year never really happened. It did, trust me. <laughs> Safe to say it's a, it's been an adjustment, um, you know, and it feels like ages since this whole shutdown even began. Um, you know, if you guys can go back and, and look at, uh, you know, where things were before, before baseball shut down, 
um, you know, that this was going to be a, you know, a, a big year in different ways for both the Giants and the A's. Um, you know, Henry, what, what was, you know, before all this shut down, what, what was kind of the big picture for the Giants this year? What, what kind of stories were you expecting to be writing about? One of the first things that sort of comes to mind is that this was going to be Gabe Kaplan's first year as manager. And, uh, you know, he didn't have a very good Q rating coming into this season. And uh, I think everybody was wondering what it was going to look like for him to manage uh, the Giants after Bruce Bochy was in that chair for uh, 13 seasons. Uh, and we got a good glimpse of what his style was like, sort of interaction with the player, interactions with the players and his coaches and all that. But we, you know, I mean, it's a lot different coaching, managing spring training than it is in the regular season. And I, you know, I mean, I think that uh, Susan would agree. I think that nobody really expects the Giants to do much. Uh, any, any win would be gravy. Uh, and it was really, it's really just sort of like a waiting game until guys like Joey Bart and Elliot Ramos and some of those guys would come up and plus waiting to see, uh, you know, if, if, if guys like Mauricio Dubon or Tyler Rogers or somebody who got a look last year for the first time uh, could do it for real for a whole season. Uh, and uh, one, one funny thing, and I'll throw it over to Susan, I mean, not a funny thing, but I mean, I, I flew home to San Francisco on the 9th of March for my break. I, I get a week break just like Susan does. And uh, by the time I got, you know, I had no idea that a week later I'd be flying back just to pick up my stuff and drive it home. My week break has been, uh, what, about seven, eight weeks that this was? Seven weeks, I think. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to, my, thanks to my broken ankle. Um, yeah, the A's were, uh, I, I think all of you know, the were coming off of their second consecutive 97-week season, two playoff appearances, and they felt like they were in good shape for this year, uh, really aiming for the division title, and that's what everything was about. The two rookie pitchers with Lizardo and Puck and – uh, how they would help what was looking like one of the American League's best rotations before this all came to a screeching halt. And uh, Matt Chapman and Matt Olson just continuing to get better and better. Mark Simeon establishing himself as an MVP candidate. The A's felt great about where things were headed. So, uh, you know, it's for them, I think uh, they, they still feel like if there's a season played of any sort, they like their chances. But you know, this, their window is, like most teams, isn't uh, necessarily extremely big, and they have financial constraints that might make it even shorter. So this is a season that's important for them, for sure. Well, and uh, Susan, you, you played perfectly into the first question we got here, and it's a, I think it's a big one. Um, so what this question is from Linda Burnett. Uh, what's the latest word on when baseball might be played? And if it is played, where is it going to be played? Well, thanks for the question, Linda. Um, I've been writing about this fairly extensively, uh, all different aspects of it. Uh, I think, um, you know, right now, the thing that looks like uh, what is most likely that baseball and the union are kind of zeroed in on, if there is baseball, is playing in Arizona with all teams. I'm not quite sure exactly what that would look like. Initially, some of the things kicked around included full quarantine away from families for players for up to four and a half months, which that does not sound remotely workable to me. Um, but I think theoretically, you could probably play as many as three games uh, a day uh, in the indoors in the stadium and then use some of the spring stadium sites for other games. It's going to be awful hot if they're planning on playing there in the middle of the summer. Uh, that timing of games could be interesting. So uh, doable, 
uh, with a lot of obstacles. And of course, the main thing is safety. And I'm not sure I'm convinced. I'm not sure experts are convinced. I'm not sure the majority of players are convinced that under the circumstances right now that things will be safe. Um, I have a story coming up sometime in this, this next week about baseball and, and specific sanitation issues. Uh, they, there's so much spitting in the game. There's guys licking their fingers constantly. Uh, is that an issue? Does that have to change? Along with all the many other things that every sport is going to have to deal with, uh, including right now, physical distancing is just, it's not possible in sports, including baseball, maybe tennis or ping pong or something like that. You can safely physical distance, but you, you, even in baseball, you, you can't do it. They were talking about having, instead of dugouts, having players sit in the in the stands. Well, a guy's going to stand on first base. The first baseman's not going to be six feet away from him. If he slides into second, the second baseman isn't going to be six feet away from him. It's just not, you know, the batter and the catcher are still going to be right next to each other. The catchers really get the, the brunt of all the things and uh, physical proximity. I, I think that they would probably, everybody needs to check with all the catchers first before they go on to do anything. But right now it's very early stages. I like the fact that they're coming up with plans. That's great. That's what they should be doing. They can think through all sorts of different things, but I don't see anything right now that's workable. I, I just think, um, I really don't think we're going to have a baseball season this year. Uh, I agree that it's, it would be a 30 team Arizona thing. I think Florida came, they came up with that idea of 15 in Florida, 15, in Arizona, but I think that was more what the players uh, who train in Florida wanted because they could be at their own facilities, but that's not workable. The spring training sites where they could play the games are too far apart. That's the rainy season. There's a reason the Marlins and the Rays will play in a dome stadium, but you know, they wanted to have a spring training in March and then a season starting June 1st. I mean, that's not going to happen. I mean, they're lucky if they, by September, we can have something August, September. And by that time, I think John Shea's idea is probably more likely where there'll be some sort of like 30 team tournament, uh, sort of survivor Arizona to get down to the, get down to, to a world series champ. Well, that would be so A's for this to be one of their best potential squads and have that be the way that they miss out on the postseason. Well, and just, uh, just ask the 1981 Cincinnati Reds how it worked out for them. Uh, some of you older folks might know the reference, but in 1981, they had to have a split season because of a two-month strike. And uh, so they decided the fairest way to do it was just declare the first half champion of where it stood at the, at the strike, then do a whole second half from scratch, 0-0, uh, just like they used to do in the minors, uh, you know, the first half champion versus the second half champion. Uh, and the Reds ended up having the best overall record in, uh, in the National League but they didn't win or come in second in either half. So they missed the postseason. And a follow-up question here from Tom Miller. That's uh, pretty, pretty intriguing. He writes that um, with the possibility of MLB games being played without fans, are there any ideas about bringing in fans virtually um, some way for players to get fan reactions, even though they're remote? Um, is there anything that we've we've seen or heard about any rumblings about what that that experience might be like if if possible in any of these scenarios that have been proposed i've not heard anything i unless you have you can always pipe in crowd noise they do it in nfl practices to uh kind of replicate the what the what it's going to be like in the superdome or whatever but i haven't heard of anything i i saw some chinese teams are using robots in this dance which i'm not sure really approximates Hardboard cutouts would be good, yeah. Actual experience. Uh, but I assume that there would be some sort of ability to have 
fan moments, you know, maybe film fans and, and show fans on the big the scoreboards uh, in between innings um, have remote sort of uh, hookups for fans to kind of watch in a Zoom setting and maybe even somehow show that on the big screen during the game. I, don't, there, I would imagine that there are a lot of minds working on ways to at least try to involve people even if they're at home. The best thing I heard was uh, actually miking up the players so you could actually hear a player throughout the whole game. I think they would have to ha have every fan sign a parental consent form just to watch a game on TV. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's going to be tough. Henry Schulman, John Schultz, and I will be back in just a moment with more of the Chronicles Zoom subscriber event. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the San Francisco Chronicles Zoom subscriber event with me, Susan Slusser, Henry Schulman, and moderator John Schultz, the Chronicles sports editor. Sticking with the, the A's here, Susan, um, Rich asks, does this, do you think this helps or hurts the A's stadium effort? Well, it's on like everything, essentially, um, which isn't, it's not going to be helpful for their timeline, depending on how long everything goes on. Uh, right now that they're waiting for the environmental impact report, um, which is done, um, but it's being tied up with a little bit of litigation. All of that has uh, pretty much come to a halt. Uh, and there need to be public hearings on the EIR before things progress. And of course, there are no public hearings right now. So unless they figure out a way to do those um, in some sort of Zoom call or uh, some other sort of rem remote way, uh, I don't see where they're going to be able to move forward very quickly this summer. Uh, and I, I think that that 2023 timeline is probably very much affected. The A's have been quiet about it because they, like everybody else, they don't know exactly what's happening or what the timeline is or what public officials may or may not be able to do with some of those things. Um, uh, they're waiting on litigation. They're hopeful that at some point, maybe that there could be something that gets moved along. Maybe they can cut some corners uh, time-wise elsewhere, but I, I don't see it. I think this probably adds another year at least to the process. And uh, another uh, question here um, we have uh, related to the the shutoff and the a and the A's. Um, Susan, what do you think? What do you think not playing or playing a partial season does for Marcus Semyon's chances of an extension? Oof. Uh, you know, it, it really, there's so many factors that play into that. Uh, the most significant, obviously, when it comes to the A's and signing Marcus Semyon to any sort of long-term extension is the fact that they're also looking at the maps and trying to get long-term extensions with them and, and the overall cost of the three of them. Uh, that makes Simeon a little less likely. However, if somehow the finances of the game are impacted such that Simeon is convinced that the best deal he might get is from the A's right now and he wants to get some sort of security for the future, uh, and the A's come up with at least a decent package, uh, before all of this, he was certainly looking after finishing third in the, in the MVP race something in the, in the order of, um, you know, 70, 80, $90 million, maybe approaching a hundred million. Um, his agent probably would have you believe, but certainly significant more than the A's have ever paid anybody. The most they've ever paid was Eric Chavez um, with the 66 million in 2002. So uh, he would have been breaking a lot of A's financial records. I don't know exactly how things look financially for the game or for the players or what individually they're thinking, but 
I do know when the A's talked to Sunyan about a long-term extension two years ago, and they were fairly close to doing so, um, it, things didn't come, come together at the very end, obviously. Um, I think some of the comps that his agent was looking at, people like Tim Anderson, the A's weren't quite close enough, so there was a little bit of a breakdown. It was, it was Shortly thereafter, Marcus broke his wrist, and there were a lot of people who said around the game, you know what, he should have signed that deal because of the security. This is why you do those things. So like this with a pandemic might change some people's thinkings when it, when it comes to long-term deals. All right, and um, you know, sticking with the theme of roster talk here, um, Henry, this is a question from Sam Pasco. He asks, how are the Giants gonna recover from letting Kevin Pilar walk? Pence is great, but he's no Superman. Well, first of all, I wanna uh, compliment Rebecca on how well her baby has behaved. And hi, Rich Waltz, we have a ringer. Um, I hope you're doing well. Um, so the question uh, really makes an assumption uh, that I think a lot of fans make uh, which is that the Giants really care uh, about winning in 2020. They don't. I mean, they, they say they do. They're going to go out and try and win every game imaginable because you don't go out to lose. But, yeah, of course, Kevin Pillar is going to have a better year than Mike, or Mike Pence, God forgive me, uh, Hunter, Hunter Pence. Um, but, you know, that's not the point. Uh, they, the Giants would have had to spend $9 million at least to get – uh, Pilar for another year. Uh, and they, they're only spending, what was it, $3 million to get Pence. And yes, they have a lot of money, but they still have a payroll and they want to use the $6 million difference uh, to do things like the trade they made uh, to get uh, Will Wilson from the Angels, who was a first round draft pick. And in return, the Giants agreed to take on Zach Cozart's 12 or $13 million contract and just release him. Um, and you know, if you, you sign a guy for $9 million, uh, he's going to – I mean, you're signing a guy for – to play 150 games, 140 games, get 500, 600 at-bats like he did last year. You're not signing Hunter Pence to do that. You're signing Hunter Pence to maybe get 200 at-bats or 250 at-bats, and then you start looking at the outfielders that might be part of your future, and they get those at-bats instead. So I think the fans uh, – well, it, it's maybe irrelevant now with the uh, – the shutdown, but I think fans need to have a different mindset. Don't think of the Giants as trying to compete for a playoff spot. Don't think the front office is going to build a team as if they're going to try and win a playoff spot. That is absolutely not what 2020 would have been about. And uh, with uh, with what 2020 would have been about, as you were saying earlier, you know, would have been would have marked Gabe Cap Gabe Kapler's uh, first season as manager. Um, we have a question here from Clifford Waldeck, who asks Henry, how's your relationship with Gabe Kapler? He caught a lot of flack when he was first selected. Um, yeah, I, I, thanks for the question, Cliff. I have a good relationship. I think all of the media have a good relationship. He tries to um, foster that. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a good politician and he wants to have the beat writers like him, be on his side. We're not always going to be on his side. We're going to question him about some of his moves. Um, I think he's happy he's not dealing with the Philadelphia media anymore uh, because uh, they, you know, sort of like the New York media, uh, it's a much more competitive market and people wanna be uh, a little more edgy. Uh, we're trying to tell a story of, of sometimes 
the reporters in that part of the country are uh, trying to uh, stir things up a little bit more than we do and probably deserved. Uh, and we, we enjoyed so far talking to uh, Gabe. And uh, at the end of each day in spring training, we would uh, have our one daily media briefing with him to ask him any questions about any players in the workout. And um, we used, we spent a lot of time after those things just talking about uh, restaurants and what our thoughts are on various things in the world. And, um, you know, so far, so good. Susan, I'm getting a lot of uh, questions in here about your ankle. Good, I need to get some water. <laughs> Can you tell us about how your uh, how your recovery is going? Um, yeah, so I, uh, uh, for those who don't know, I broke my ankle on February 29th playing ice hockey. Um, I don't recommend it. Apparently your ankles are really important. So uh, it's been a long, slow road. I, I needed a surgery on March 5th and had a plate and nine screws put in. I started limiting, limited grain last Thursday, and I can now walk with the walking boot without crutches some. It swells up a lot. Um, and my goal is to get out of the walking boot in two weeks. But uh, I very thoughtfully did this three years before I did it, so I can bounce everything off her. And I know after three years, she's still not 100% right. She's not running yet. I plan to be running within six months so um it's given skiing? me goal, she's given me lots of information and goals what about skiing yes Henry. uh skiing i plan to be back skiing too okay. yes i also broke my face skiing in january so um john, john here has forbidden me from riding dirt bikes and any other extreme accidents. You're the real skier of the bunch. Is anybody going to ask about John's beard? That is his actual beard. It's not like a quarantine beard. It is. I was not. I was not clean shaven before this all began. Um, if anyone has any questions on beard care to throw in the chat, I could. Uh, I could potentially answer some. That, that uh, beard reminds. That beard reminds me of the fake one that Brian tried to buy in Life of Brian at the market when he was running away from the Roman soldiers. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. That's that's, that's what that beard reminds me of. <laughs> There's 11 days worth of food in there. Got to got to store it up somewhere. It's uh, you know drastic times calls for call for drastic measures. Um uh seeing a few questions in here uh this one uh for Henry both Henry and Susan um how are players staying in baseball shape? What what are they doing during the layoff and um I mean, are they are they in communication with the team? Um, are they getting strict guidelines? Are they kind of freewheeling it? Um, how's that? What are you hearing about how that's playing out? Who asked that question? Uh, Reddit. David Cost, okay. and I saw it from someone else as well. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good. That's a great question. Uh, if, if you were listening to me on KNBR about an hour ago, uh, I answered it uh, because it is on a lot of people's minds and. Um, so yeah, the, the players are in, uh, I wouldn't say constant communication, I would say regular communication with Kapler, but not, not just Kapler and the coaching staff, but also the strength and conditioning staff and the nutritionists that the Giants have. Uh, all those folks are trying to gather information on uh, when they might think baseball will come back and try and keep these athletes conditioned so that when there is a spring training again, and it's, you know, if there is one, it'll only be three weeks. Uh, you want these guys to come in even in better shape than they do when they come in for a six week spring training. I mean, the days are long gone when 
you know, guys would come into spring training looking like Babe Ruth uh, squared and then use that six weeks to, you know, to get fit. They're usually fit when they come in, but they have to be in shape to play games in a, in a short while. So that, that does involve whatever workouts they can do, individualized workouts given their uh, quarantining scenarios, uh, you know, whether the pitchers have somebody to throw to, uh, things like that. And, um, you know, th then the nutritionists are talking about what kind of food to get. And actually, the Giants nutritionists are actually sending food, packaged food, or having packaged food sent to players who don't want to think about it. And then they just eat everything that, that is sent to them because it has the right nutritional balance. So, yeah, I, I, I'm sure it's the same with the A's. It's, it's a lot of communication. Yeah, you know, the A's have been very specific about not giving uh, recommendations of any kind to their players. They want them to feel that they can stick to strict physical distancing, which some workout facilities and even just playing catch, theoretically, um, that might, you know, violate some, some of the physical distancing recommendations. Uh, I have to say almost every pitcher is working out of, out of a facility. They have to keep their arm strength up or they have a catcher. Um, I talked to Jesus Lozardo last week and he's working out with Mike Fires in an empty field in the middle of nowhere in, in Florida. Uh, they're, they're working out together with a trainer who brings some stuff. And I think they feel like because they've been in quarantine, they know each other, they're pretty safe. Uh, but I have talked to some ace players who are working out at facilities uh, and I'm sure quite a few of them are. Um, I read that Mike, Mike Trout and Albert Pujols are working out together. So I think there's some uh, interesting combination of, uh, of guys who are figuring out ways to, to stay in shape. But the A's don't want to tell pitchers even that they have to throw bullpens because they don't want to be in a position where uh, somebody winds up, you know, coming up with a positive test and says like, well, you're the one that told me that I had to go through a bullpen session and I put myself and my family at risk. So they've, they've steered clear of that. They're staying a lot of communication, certainly, and a lot of advice, but they are not telling them what to do whatsoever. Thanks for listening to part one of the San Francisco Chronicle Zoom subscriber event and the joint A's Plus Giant Splash podcasts. I'm Susan Slusser for Giants writer Henry Schulman and sports editor John Schultz. We will be back again next week. Our producers today were King Kaufman and G. Allen Johnson. And thanks so much to Christina Nori for organizing our very special event. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support A's Plus and all of the Chronicle's journalism by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.